The New Jersey Devils have acquired Timo Meyer in a big trade from the San Jose Sharks. The Colorado Avalanche are quietly moving up in the standings in the NHL's Western Conference, and the Arizona Coyotes are looking to sell at the NHL trade deadline. We'll have that and a lot more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. This happy gentleman to my right right now is Trey Matthews, the host of Locked On New Jersey Devils. And he's smiling because the Devils have just acquired Timo Meyer in a blockbuster deal from the San Jose Sharks. Trey, always great to have you back on the show. And how happy should New Jersey Devil fans be right now? The fact that they didn't have to give up Dawson Mercer or Yegor Sharangovich or Luke Hughes, Shimon the Mets, or Alexander Holtz, Devils fans rejoice. Show your excitement because the offseason was kind of a little bit of a sore subject for Devils fans because we lost out on Kevin Fiala, we lost out on Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Goodrow, but yet we were able to get Timo Meyer added to our roster. Yeah, very, very big addition. The, the biggest fish out there as far as the uh, trade deadline was concerned. So where does Timo Meyer fit into the New Jersey Devils lineup, in your opinion? That's a good question. So you you can't go wrong with uh, pairing him either with Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer because for chemistry purposes, you could put him with Nico Heischer because they both represent the same country. And uh, obviously they, they were teammates together during the world championships and uh, they had they had good chemistry. So you could get like the Swiss cheese uh, line combination, as I like to call it. But um, but obviously Dawson Mercer has been on a tear the last few games for the Devils. So you don't really want to break up that line too much. But then you could put him alongside with Jack Hughes, who's the best player on the team for the Devils. And Jack Hughes not only knows how to get goals, he knows how to uh, set up his teammates. He knows how to uh, dish out the puck. So I think uh, if you put uh, Timo Meyer on the second line with Jack Hughes and slide Andre Pallott down to the third line, I don't think you could go wrong with that either just because – uh, Andre Pilat is a good depth piece. And like I said, Jack Hughes uh, is the best player on the team. And then for Timo Meyer, he adds uh, not only great point production and goal production, similar to Jesper Brad, Nico Heischer, and Jack Hughes, but you kind of get uh, shades of other players on the Devils roster. So for Miles Wood, I never say he's an enforcer. I say he's a pest because he knows how to get under people's skin. He's not afraid to ruffle some feathers and Quite honestly, nowadays it's the only good thing. It's a, it's his only good use. But, um, but Timo Meyer, he's the same way. He's not afraid to get under the skin of his opponent. He's not afraid to use a stick to bump him a little bit. He's not afraid to play physical. And then for uh, Nathan Bastian, we see that Nathan Bastian he loves playing out in front of the net and he loves getting those redirect goals and he loves being in the right place at the right possible time to sort of uh, clean up the mess for New Jersey Devils. You get that for Timo Meyer. So the, the breath of fresh air is that Timo Meyer adds size. 
but at the same time, he could put up the same amount of goals and production, similar to, as I like to call him, our baby big three in Heischer, Brat, and Hughes. But at the same time, he is physical, similar to Miles Wood, and he likes to play in front of the net and not afraid to get his hands dirty, similar to what Nathan Bastion has been doing throughout the course of the year for the Devils organization. So the fact that we get that caliber of a player added to our roster, that's huge for the Devils because uh, if the last game against Philadelphia Flyers was any indicator, the Devils know how to rack up the goals. One other area that I expect Timo Meyer to have an impact on is the power play. How do you see him fitting in there and maybe with different uh, different line mates or in a different role with the extra attacker? What do you think? Oh, like like a glove because we need we need help with our power play because our penalty kill is, is respectable, but power play, wildly inconsistent throughout the course of the year. And usually it was our uh, top power play that was struck or no, it was usually our top power play that was good. But then after that, it's just like uh, we need some help. So Timo Meyer uh, adds more depth and he adds more options. So that way the Devils aren't so top heavy on the man advantage. So uh, Timo Meyer will be a huge help, not only at even strength, but also on the power play. So uh, like I said, knows how to rack up the goals. He knows how to rack up the points. And he had a career year in, in terms of uh, point production last season with the San Jose Sharks. And we're seeing him have a pretty good year this time around as well. I expect for Timo Meyer to be a huge, huge addition for a Devils roster, despite the extension not really uh, coming into fruition for the time being. You mentioned the extension. There is no deal in place as of yet. How do you see negotiations playing out? And what do you think the odds are that come October, Timo Meyer is still in a New Jersey Devils uniform? Okay, so I'm mostly confident that Timo Meyer will be a New Jersey Devil come next year because I think um, I think he wanted to come here. His agent is Claude Lemieux, who is a former New Jersey Devil. So I think Timo Meyer, the writing has been on the wall for a while. I'm sure he's been in touch with some of his fellow uh, Swiss players in Jonas Siegethal and Nico Kiescher. I think they, they they said in recent interviews that they would love to have Timo Meyer on the roster. So I think uh, Timo Meyer will feel at home with the Devils organization. Now, uh, to answer your question, I think this actually works out for the Devils just a little bit more because it doesn't add that much pressure to uh, obviously extend them right now. And now you got to worry about Jesper Bratt. Now you can uh, just take some time to deliberate and see like, okay, how much should we pay Jesper Bratt and for how long? Because he's also said to become a restricted free agent. And the same can be said for Timo Meyer, who's demanding around $9 million annually, but it's rumored that the Devils don't want to um, outpay someone uh, compared to Jack Hughes' contract, who's getting paid $8 million annually. So they don't want to surpass that. So now you could try to find that compromise with Timo Meyer and his camp. And then for Jesper Bratt, you try to work out an extension. So that way you get both those players signed to long-term deals, and they're a part of the New Jersey Devils' core for years to come. Obviously, it is very likely the Devils will face the New York Rangers in the first round of the playoffs, barring any major changes in the standings. How does Timo Meyer impact that particular matchup against the Rangers first round of the playoffs? That's a good question. Uh, the Devils have actually competed fairly well with the New York Rangers during the course of the year. I was in attendance for one of the game when I was up in the press box. The Rangers were up 3-1, to one and they blew a 3-1 lead, the infamous lead in, in sports. But uh, the Devils, it just adds more competition because uh, the New York Rangers, they added Vladimir Tarasenko to their roster 
recently, the rumor to get Patrick Kane. And quite honestly, when this episode goes live, maybe Patrick Kane is on his way to New York. I don't know what the case might be, but you know, that's another player that could be added to the roster. So quite honestly, it's going to be very exciting because now you get Hughes, Heischer and Brat, and now Timo Meyer added to the roster. And now you're talking about a Rangers team that was already pretty good. And now uh, they are also, they've also added Vladimir Tarasenko and are rumored to be adding Patrick Kane within the next few days. I think that's going to be a, a marquee matchup quite honestly. And, Basically, everyone's going to be scurrying through Caesar in the course of the playoffs. It's it's really exciting, but I think the Devils definitely know how to handle themselves against the Rangers because they've already done so during the course of the year already. Should be a, a very interesting stretch drive and a very interesting playoff run for the New Jersey Devils. Trey, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast, where they could find you on social media so they can follow along with the Devils. You can find me, my personal Twitter page, at TreyMatt4, T-R-E-Y-M-A-T-T, and the number four. And you can find the show's Twitter page, at Devils, And it's available wherever you get your podcasts, also available on YouTube. Trey, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you, Gil. I'm, I'm going to get back to celebrating now. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by AG1. Our next partner has a product I literally use every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to find one supplement that would take care of all my nutritional needs. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all these things. And it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show a familiar voice and face to Locked On NHL listeners, Chris Maselli of Locked On Avalanche. And Chris, this team has battled injuries all year long and yet here we are getting close to the trade deadline, and we've got a five-game winning streak, three points out of first place with two games in hand. How has this team been able to hold it together this year? It's been a gauntlet of injuries. Uh, it, it's been like it's nothing that we're not used to in Avalanche land. They just seem to every year have injuries and somehow overcome them. And this year, I think, has been it's. You know, the the Annie's been upped a little bit more with with all of the injuries that they've had. This has kind of been unprecedented for them. Um, but again, they just they just seem to have a way to stay afloat. And as you get healthy, as the season goes on, you know, everybody look, focuses on how teams start. You know what I mean? And it, it's really not about how you start. It's about how you finish in the regular season. And the abs are peaking at the absolute right time. They're getting healthy at the absolute right time. Nathan McKinnon is just he's usually on a, a different stratosphere than other people, but he has just upped his play. Miko Rantanen's having a fantastic season. He's the one guy that stayed healthy throughout all of this. 
is Miko Rantanen. And he's he's really come of age this year. Um, and he's really he's really taken the, the the throne for for the abs this year and just kind of run with it. Um, but it's they they make great move. They made uh, you know, they got Dennis Mulgan uh on at the on the waiver wire, and who's you know, he's not setting the world on fire, but he's he, he's he fits well. They, 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 you know, they, the guys they brought up from the AHL team, they just seem to make the right moves and just stay in games. And that's what they've done again this year. I don't think Jared Bednar gets enough credit um, for doing the, the the things that he does. And, you know, and now you're, you continue to get, you still have injuries. Kale McCarr still out with, you know, his concussion issues, but they just do this year after year, Gil. I, I, it's kind of amazing to watch because you would just think all the injuries that they've had, they would be nowhere near where they are, but they are. It's it's kind of impressive. Talk to me about Alexander Georgiev and what he's meant to this team this year because, you know, quietly, Colorado's getting steady goaltending. He doesn't get talked about enough. And I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, we got to put him on, like, the tier one goalies of the league and stuff like that. But no, no he's not – He's not with the, you know, Shesterkins and Vasilevskis of the world, but he might be a notch below them with how he's playing. Like he, Kyle and I uh, on our show talk, have talked about him a lot. Right. And the rub on him was like, he, he just didn't have enough playing time in New York and he needed to go somewhere that he could be that guy. Okay. Well, here's your opportunity and it's for the defending championship team. Have fun. Um, and he's doing it. He's doing like he, with, 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 so like for the, for the last few years, Avalanche, they've had good goalies, uh, but they haven't really been the goalies where they would steal you a game or they, like, if your team's not playing well, you always want that goalie to, to be the one that can like stand on his head and win you a game, like a game you don't deserve to be winning. And he's done that a few times this year. So I think they they've struck gold with him. They they gave him a shot. They trusted their instincts with him. They trust what everybody was saying about him, and he's rewarded them. I I he's 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 a quick goalie. He, he you know goes down to the butterfly. He pops back up quicker than most goalies that the Avalanche have had recently. So he's a different type of goalie in that aspect. Because you know the past couple of years you've had good goalies, but they haven't just they, 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 there's goalies that like give up those juicy rebounds. And man, like Darcy Kemper was just known for that for yeah. the Avs. And you don't see it with him. He plays, he plays a, a kind of a simplistic goalie position, but he does it so well. And when you have that good defense in front of him, he's only got to stop 20 shots, 25 shots per game you would like. Um, and and th- th- it will put them in a good position to win. He's done it all year long. He, he's been he's been really, really impressive doing what the team needs and that's yeah. uh, all you can ask of a goaltender what is the strategy now trade deadline is less than a week away your team is surging you still hopefully will be getting back your mckinnons and your mccars uh or excuse me your landiscogs and your mccars yeah. uh before the playoffs get underway so what how are the abs going to approach the trade deadline uh the abs are usually they're always involved in talks for specific players but rarely do they pull them in like the the top tier guys in the trade deadline and i think that's going to be again this year not to say that they're not going to try they'll try but i think they they don't have the assets and the prospects and the picks that other teams do 
and I think they're just going to get outbid on on by other teams. Um, I don't know. I, I I like they just made they've made two moves so far, and they were depth moves, right? They brought they brought back Matt Nieto, which was a good move. You know, that's a depth piece, and then they just traded for Keith Kincaid for backup, uh, you know, depth goalie position, right? That's kind of where, and that that move proves interesting for a number of reasons, but more that I think that speaks to what the Avalanche are looking at right now. They just for next year's draft, they have their first round draft pick, and then they don't pick till the fifth round, so they don't have a second, third, or fourth pick. And I, they, you know, when they they were trading last year, they did not want to give up that first round pick. So I can't envision them turning around this year and saying like, okay, now we'll give it up. If there's a deal too good to be true, maybe they do it. It's not completely off the table, but I feel like because this draft is kind of deep and, you know, even if the Avalanche are picking late in the first round, I still feel like they could get like a good prospect. They have to build their prospect pool back up because they've depleted it recently. It's worked out. You won the Stanley Cup. I don't think anybody's complaining about that, right? But you, you like it's they've gotten rid of some guys that they had plans for. So they can't just year in and year out. They're not built that way. They're not They're not a team that does that, that every single year they have no problem just giving away prospects and picks and, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. They like to have a strong unit in the NHL and AHL team. And their AHL, their Colorado Eagles, is depleted a little bit. They have guys that, you know, they just they're, – they're not going to move. They could, but they're not going to do it because they don't want to sac- sacrifice the future. So I don't see a big trade season coming for them. Like I said, like a couple of depth moves, maybe they do another one somewhere. Maybe, you know, you can never, never have enough defensemen going into the playoff. Maybe they do that for like a Luke Shen or something like that. But um, I think it's going to be kind of crickets for the most part for the Avalanche. And, and you know, this is sometimes corny and cheesy to say, you haven't had Gabe Landeskog all year. That is like getting a brand new player if and when he comes back, which they're saying right now is mid-March. So it's almost like bringing in a trade piece too. Is there any possibility that they maybe trade a player they don't need who's a depth player to add some prospects or picks? Like a depth player they have now to yeah. like like a depth for depth type of thing. Yeah. Uh, they did that last year, you know, like with with um they brought in like Nico Sturm and got rid of Tyson Jost. And it just because it was one of those things where Tyson Jost just wore out his welcome. Like they tried and tried and tried. They actually just did that with uh, Martin Kaut to, to bring back Matt Nieto. Right. Uh, Martin Kaut was the same thing, just years and years and years of just trying, trying, trying. And then they eventually had to get to the point where it's like, all right, let's just change the scenery time. Right. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody playing for them right now? I, um, nobody. I, he was definitely the one, Martin Kaut. I don't know if there's anybody else like on their, their current roster that they feel like they would give up to bring in just substitute depth for depth. I think they're happy with it. So I, I, I kind of feel like if they do bring in some more depth guys, it's just for, you know, your mid range AHL guy, which they'll part with or a mid round pick. If they want to give up their fifth and then not have a third, second, third, fourth or fifth, you can do that. Or next year's third or, you know, something like something like that. Nothing that's going to like set the world on fire or, you know, just move the needle all that much. That's why I just feel like it's going to be, and I say this, and they'll go get Patrick Kane or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? We shall see. Chris, yeah. why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? 
Yeah, we're uh, Twitter, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche. Uh, that's uh, like I said on Twitter, Instagram, just Locked on Avalanche, and definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just uh, search for Locked on Avalanche there as well. All right, Chris, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Anytime, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they are all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. And look, not only do Built Bars taste great, but the macros are incredible. They average just 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar per bar, but they pack a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now, while you can still go to Built.com to pick up a box and order it and have it delivered to your home, you can also go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and pick up a box in person. So check out Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You can thank me later. We're going to talk a little Arizona Coyote. So we bring in Robin Leano of Locked On Coyotes. And Robin, everyone's expecting Arizona to be big time sellers this week. Deadline is Friday. Your thoughts as to what we can expect from the Coyotes in the next few days. Yeah, you know, a lot of us have been expecting the Coyotes to be sellers. You're looking, and Bill Armstrong has said it multiple times over the course of the last year, um, in the last couple of years, is talking about that this Coyotes team right now is building on draft capital and is building the team through the draft. Um, so we're going to expect to see a lot of that, a lot of selling pieces for potentially, you know, high draft picks, get, you know, as well as get prospects and players because they do need those as well to fill roster spots. But the main goal here is to continue the build through the draft and get as much draft capital as you can, especially coming up in this upcoming year where it's very well known that the uh, draft is incredibly deep. So we've talked about Jacob Chikrin. Uh, you know, he's sat out the last two weeks in anticipation of a trade and yet, a trade has not happened yet. First of all, why do you think a trade hasn't happened yet? And then second of all, what are the Coyotes looking for in return for Chikrin, who's considered by most to be the top available defenseman at the trade deadline? I think a lot of it has to go with the fact that the uh, the Coyotes and these prospective teams that are getting close to deals or just that they're getting close to deals and they're working out like, you know, maybe potential final aspects that tilt the favor for Bill Armstrong to say yes. Because Bill Armstrong has a set mind of what he wants for Jacob Chikrin. Because Jacob Chikrin's not cheap. Um, I said it on the Lockdown Coyotes podcast that at the bare minimum is a first round draft pick in this upcoming draft, a blue chip prospect. So, you know, one of a team's top prospects and a current roster player. You know, maybe someone who can fill in uh, right, you know, right away in defense because that's a that's a position area the Coyotes are currently lacking. That's the bare minimum, um, and I think some are getting close. Some maybe have those first rounders a little bit later. So Bill Armstrong is trying to kind of wheel in something extra. Other teams are trying to you know push things the other way. It's it's a lot. There's a lot of move, moving parts and. So many teams have gone um, in and out of this rotation. Like in just the last two weeks alone, 
we've heard about, I want to say, probably three or four teams coming really, really close to making a deal. Do you have a favorite as to who you think will ultimately pull the trigger? You know, I I said this when the rumor first came out, and I think it still makes sense. Um, a lot of people won't like me like, like these at least a lot of Coyotes fans won't like me saying it, but the Los Angeles Kings seem to have the best like p- potential package. They have you know solid defensive prospects and solid or just solid prospects in general, um, and their first round pick probably would be really close to maybe what the Coyotes would reasonably want. Uh, and I had a conversation with some some uh, other you know, Kings reporters and they were putting things towards my way. And I'm like, I like those ideas. I think that's a kind of package that the Coyotes can take. Um, none of the other ones I've heard have really wowed me as much as like what the prospect of the Los Angeles Kings could probably have. And after Chikrin, who are some of the other players you think that might be made available at the trade deadline by the Coyotes? So uh, a couple I would say is uh, Shane Gossespierre has been the uh, the other big name to pay attention to because uh, he has played incredibly well in the last, you know, in his last couple of years, just playing with the Arizona Coyotes, really rebounding from some, you know, not so great year in his last couple of seasons with, with Philadelphia and really rebounded once he came to Arizona and looks great enough that he's built a trade value that the Coyotes can work with. The same can be said for um, Nick Bukestad, who the Coyotes picked up um, over over this past offseason, really had rebounded after having not so great previous seasons. Um, but the one I think a lot of people want to hear, um, and it's something that has been talked about in just the last couple of days, Gil, is Nick Schmaltz. Um, that is the next blue chip kind of player that the Coyotes are probably going to very well could move at this upcoming deadline. And what would they be looking for? I mean, right now, you know, he's second on the team in points, uh, 16 goals, 37 points in just 42 games. What would they want back in exchange for him? It would definitely be a couple of, a, a couple of draft picks as well as a, as, as well as a solid prospect at the very least. Uh, the, like it'd be, if not pretty darn close to Jacob Trickman, because Schmaltz is, a, is one of those players that, you know, you can, you know, have like, he was like he was he's been a core player of the Arizona Coyotes for a long time. And it looks like he's, you know, really built himself up and can be a kind of player that can really make a push. He's had it for the last couple of years. And you put him around you put a put him alongside the right guy. I can't see a way a potential like Stanley Cup um searching team can want wanna pay the price for a guy like Nick Moss. You know, I I know this has sort of been a rebuilding year for the Coyotes, but out of this rebuilding year, give me the name of a young player that maybe a lot of National Hockey League fans who don't follow the Coyotes day to day wouldn't be familiar with, but who really has sort of made a statement that they're going to be a part of the future of this team. I'm glad you asked. And it's one that like some, some, like national outlets and some national media has kind of slowly picked up this player's name, but still falls on, you know, flying low under a lot of other people's radars. And I'm going to say Matias Michelli. Uh, mm-hmm. He has been, you know, without a doubt, probably one of the best rookies 
in the National Hockey League right now. Um, he's not getting all the goals, so he's not getting you know all that spotlight. But he has, I believe, the most assists of a rookie of, of any other rookie um, in the league as you know right now. And it's, he's been playing phenomenal. And that's that's even saying, Gil, that he missed out about six, maybe eight weeks with an with an upper body injury. He missed the end of end of December and all of January. And he comes back and he's still atop the rookies and resists. So that that's good to hear. And look, got to give Coyotes fans some reasons for hope looking forward besides all these picks. So good to hear that there is a player who is uh, on his way up uh, for the Arizona Coyotes. Robin, why don't you let our listeners and our viewers know where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. You can find the podcast on uh, literally anywhere. You can get your podcast on Apple on Google, we're also on the uh, the Odyssey app and Spotify, as well as on YouTube. You can follow us there. Um, we're on social media. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash locked on coyotes and on Twitter at LO underscore coyotes. And I'm personally found at Robin underscore Leonio. All right, Robin, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Gil. All right, I want to thank my guests, Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils, Chris Maselli of Locked On Avalanche, and Robin Leano of Locked On Coyotes for joining me today. I'm Gil Martin. I'm here every Monday, and of course on Friday I co-host Locked On NHL along with Rachel Donner. Remember, Locked On NHL is here every Monday through Friday, bringing you the biggest stories from around the National Hockey League. Until then, have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL Podcast.